Hey all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today we're joined by Cheddar. Hey. And Jonathan. Hey, hey, y'all. Uh, all right, so uh, let's kick things off with uh, a shout out to Ronan Geek Official Podcast. Uh, they are friends of ours, another podcast very similar to ours, the Canadian version. Uh, they're celebrating their 100th episode uh, this upcoming week, so you guys can swing by there. Yeah, they're doing a special where a lot of other podcasts are submitting uh, comments on how well they're doing and stuff like that. So uh, just a shout out to them. They've been on our podcast before during a crossover, uh, and uh, I can't suggest them enough. They're really cool guys. Uh, so swing over there and check them out. Uh, before we get too far in, what have you guys been watching lately? Chad, let's start with you. Have you watched anything good? Oh, man, nothing at all. So uh, uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, a lot of um, – what, what's that one show? Baby Shark, you know, with the newborn. Oh, God, uh, so really? That, that shit's just recording, yeah. So uh, honestly, it's been uh, nothing on my end, unfortunately. Uh, what about you guys? <laughs> well, now I want to uh, watch the Baby Shark. <laughs> hey. Uh, I just watched a movie – this morning, actually, on Netflix, a Netflix original with some good actors, uh, Project Power. Have you guys seen anything oh, about I've that? I've heard about that. Yeah, Jamie Foxx, right? It, it was pretty good. The production quality was pretty darn good. The story could have been better. It, You know, writers aren't the best, but uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I'd give it like a probably B minus. Okay. So well, It's still I probably it, watchable. Very, very good uh, concept, and, and, you know, it's kind of like... Um, Yep. <laughs> What's that one with uh, Mark Wahlberg? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, oh, God. There's quite a few with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he, he's right? kind of well, in a few movies. If you've seen the trailer, you know it's where you have uh, super strength and stuff like that. Anyways, that's it. Yeah, that's it's kind of got that Max Payne mixed with Bright kind of vibe, so it's, okay. it's pretty good. I have to check it out. Uh, yeah, I just finished Russian Doll, and uh, Legend of Korra just came out, guys, so head on over to Netflix, <sighs> catch yourself some Legend of Korra. Uh, mm-hmm. Super good. All right, so let's go ahead and start with our Audible ad. We're going to make this real short, guys. Uh, we are pushing back the book club to next week. We talked about this last week, but just a reminder. So you guys have one more week to listen to Shadows Rising by Madeline Rowe. Go to audibletrial.com backslash geekfreaks. Help support the podcast. For $14.99 a month, you get one uh, audiobook and two Audible originals. And, uh, and you can keep those forever. They stay in your account. So go on over to edible, Audible trial, edible, audibletrial.com backslash geekfreaks. All right, uh... Now, let's go ahead and get into this Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot. This was announced by uh, Will Smith. He's going to be producing this, and he says it's going to be telling the restore, retelling the stories from the original uh, series, but in a uh, dramatic sense. So, like, sitcoms are half an hour usually. This is going to be one hour long episodes with, like, uh, you know, what would it actually be like for a kid who got in trouble in Philadelphia trying to live um, and not really fit in in Southern California. Uh, do you guys think this is going to go well, trying to do a drama version of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I think it'll be great. I mean, I mean, I think it'll fit in a lot more with what kids these days are used to seeing on TV anyways. If you make a remake of Fresh Prince the way it was in the 90s, it's just not going to land. Maybe we'll watch it for a little while for the nostalgia, but then we'll get bored and move on. So I like that he's retooling it for the next generation. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that uh, it's going to give it a realistic feel. Um, it's going to be more of a drama. Uh, it's going to be hard not seeing Will Smith in it because uh, when I think of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know, I think of you know, the dance too. You can't, you can't forget the dance, right? Yeah, get the Carlton um, in there. The Carlton going on, but uh, I do think the realistic is going to bring a big crowd, and uh, yeah. what he's going to do with it, it's going to. I think it's going to be good. They haven't casted it yet, so he could actually play like Uncle Phil or something like that. Would be really cool. 
if Will Smith was playing the old man. Uh, there is a fan-made trailer made by Morgan Cooper. He was made it in 2019, but after this news broke, it kind of was trending and has been like the example of what this would look like. Uh, you guys both had the chance to watch the trailer. What are your thoughts on how well he did with this uh, fan-made trailer? You know, I, I was like, oh man, this is this is legit. This is really what's going on. Fan-made, I was like, no way. Uh, so I, I was ready to watch it, waiting for a you know coming out release date. Yeah, I think this kid needs to be hired by Will Smith, actually. Whoever, this Morgan Cooper... Who made right. this little trailer? I mean, he—I think he nailed it. I was like, "This should be on TNT." I'd watch this right now, something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's funny is a lot of the networks and streaming services, just off of the announcement alone, already bidding on this and trying to get access to his his show. Uh, so either way, it's going to have a lot of support behind it with this many people trying to get in uh, into it. What do you think would be a good home for this kind of a show? I think CBS should pick it up. I mean, they have a lot of good family content on CBS All Access already, so I think that'd be. That or, I mean, the clear staple would be Disney, but Disney's already got a lot of this kind of stuff and uh, too too much competition probably already. They don't need something like this. Yeah, I think there's going to be more of a mature feel to it. That, I don't know if Disney's the right home for that. But like Hulu, they use Hulu for a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, Hulu. I mean, Netflix runs the world. Everybody's streaming now, so I don't know if TV yeah. would be the best option. Yeah, I, I actually kind of hope it goes to streaming just because, first off, you know, binging's always nice. But it feels like the budget's a little bit friendlier on when you got like Netflix taking care of it or something like that. When if it's something like CBS, they may try to make him do it on the cheap. And, you know, I don't know. I don't want them to be do this cheap. I want to see these big open Malibu sets and something like that. It's like really actually capture what it's like to be there for a kid who's not used to that kind of environment. Um, that's going to cost some money. So hopefully they put some real good work behind this. Next up, we have a Patrick Star spinoff called The Patrick Star Show. This will be a late-night style show hosted by Patrick Starr. The first season will have 13 episodes. Uh, this is the second spinoff announced, and the first one's called Camp Coral, which is a C- uh, prequel to uh, SpongeBob. That one's done with like CGI and stuff like that, uh, and it's going to all access. The other one is going to actually go to Disney. Um, I'm sorry, into Nickelodeon. So what do you guys think about uh, spinoffs of, of old cartoons like this? I, I think it's pretty smart. I mean, just like, the, like we were talking about with the Fresh Prince reboot, you have the loyal fans like us back when we were kids and now the next generation coming in. So you, you retool it to have the nostalgia for us, but targeting, you know, our kids and stuff. So it'll have a new life, but still has, you know, ties to, to what we're interested in. So same thing with this is it doesn't have to be something we'll like. It just has to have characters that we know. So we're happy to have our kids watch it. We trust it already and we know what kind of message it'll send. So it's uh, already got that connection for us. Yeah, I think it's smart. Yeah, it's definitely going to be like a guaranteed initial hit, right? Because everybody's just going to want to go see what it's like. They already know the character mm-hmm. really well. Um, there's definitely business sense. It makes sense to do this. Uh, whether or not it has staying power is a whole other thing. Um, now, this comes with a, a, a big caveat. So, Steven Hillenberg is the man who created SpongeBob. And the loyal fans are really upset about this whole thing. So, we have a few things to, to go over here. Uh, Steven has said in interviews... That the main character needs to be SpongeBob. He further clarified that uh, Nick first wanted to, it, him to be a kid. He actually wanted it to be a human living under the water. Uh, he describes it as they wanted Hey Arnold in the ocean. They wanted to explain somehow do that. Um, he said no, it has to be SpongeBob. This guy that's working and stuff like that. And then he also mentioned that uh, Patrick Starr cannot handle the show on on his own. That uh, he would be quote unquote too much. So both those points go to what we have. So. Uh, SpongeBob as a kid, that's this new Camp uh, Coral that they're they're talking about. 
And then uh, with Patrick Star being on his own, we have that with the Patrick Show. So unfortunately, Stephen died at the age of 57 in 2018. Nick then announced in 2019 the first spinoff. Uh, Stephen gave the reins over to Paul Tibbet, who's been running the main show this whole time. And he's very trusted. He kind of, he's, you know, this is the guy that, that Stephen trusted to run SpongeBob, right? And he said as soon as the first one was announced, this is some greedy, lazy, executing, uh, executiving <laughs> right here. He invented a word for that. And they all know full well Steve would have hated this. Shame on them. So clearly this is not in the envision this is not in the vision of the original creator. But I mean, this has been around since ninety nine. Is SpongeBob still his baby, or is it bigger than him now? Uh, I think th- I think they should take it in consideration. You know, I, I think take his wishes, but you got to tailor it to today's society, right? Uh, they're not in the business to please somebody or be loyal. Um, if they can, great. If that's what's going to attract the the viewers, but I, I don't think that they should, because uh, it may be a flop, right? So we can't do things in society just because somebody's wish, like Disney. You know, Walt's not here anymore. Are they doing things that he wished? Probably mm-hmm. some of it. Uh, some of it. Maybe as much as they can, but they can't do everything. Uh, they have to tailor it to the, today's society. They didn't make uh, Cars Land just because it was what he wanted, right? It wasn't even back then. So got to gotta kind of alter it to the, today's society. At the end of the day, it's a business. That's a very good example. Because even when you look at like his baby was Disneyland, right? And they're now going to be introducing beer into the Disneyland side of things. And as a, you know, lover of Disneyland and beer, I'm excited for this because me and Miguel would walk across to Disney at California Adventures to go buy a couple beers and walk all the way back to Disneyland. By the time we get back, we're ready for a couple more. So it's going to be nice to have him in there. And that's something that Walt Disney was adamantly against. Yeah, obviously, Steven knew what he was doing. Same thing with Walt. They knew what they were doing. They created this legacy that's living on beyond them. Uh, were they right? That's, that's something we're going to have to see how this, this pans out just in the ratings alone. How well the show's handled. Yeah, I think they should get, you know, take some things into consideration, spin it off as much as they can, but I, I don't think they should follow it 100%. Yeah, I think you're right. You made a very good point with the wall thing. That's that's a perfect example that I didn't really think about before. Or honestly, poll the fans, see if they are, you know, truly loyal to Steven and they will not watch a, a spinoff, then fine, stick with what they support. But if they would rather see, you know, something that's an homage to him but is something new, then, you know, kind of follow what their interests are i think yeah right i mean what's the audience is the audience going to be the fans from 10 years ago 20 30 years ago or the fans going to be kids today so number wise what's more and and that's what's kind of funny about these these two shows we have one where it's a prequel where it's uh where he's a young kid that i think is going to be tailored for a new generation of young kids while this other one that's like the patrick star late night show i think that's going to be tailored more towards us that are going to be like oh it's this kind of wacky fun late night show like comedy bang bang or something like that um, so I think they're actually kind of making both sides of the spectrum with this. Uh, I, I think Steve's, you know, this amazing creator that created this cool, fun world, but I will be watching <laughs> the Magic Star show just to at least see how it turns out. You know, they, they definitely have at least that much in me. All right. We have the Avatar creator, both creators leaving the Netflix project. This was such unfortunate news when we found out about this. Um, we're talking about Brian Konietzko. That's the last time I'll say the last name. And Michael DeMartino, um, they're both leaving the live action adaptation because they feel like the, that Netflix is no longer listening to them. Originally, Netflix came out and said, like, this is their project. We just want them to make this. It's going to be. And we were all in love. Right. This is exactly what we wanted to hear. It's something that M. Night did not do. Um, 
But, you know, two years down the road now, they're saying they're not listening to us anymore. Right after that announcement, they stopped listening to them, apparently. Uh, so Brian states that he's leaving because Netflix has stopped listening, but he's going to stay within the uh, realm of Netflix. So he's probably going to be working on their comic books, which are really successful. They're, they're hit every time they come out. They're actually re-releasing them all right now. Uh, he, he emphasizes uh, he's happy to accept ideas from others, that he's a collaborative person. Uh, but he says, in quotes, the general handling of the projects uh, created what I felt was a negative and unsupportive environment. And I think a lot of that is, you know, Netflix needs to make sure that this appeals to the mass audience more than just Avatar fans. Do you guys agree with this? Because, I mean, Avatar has been trending. Legend of Korra came out and is number two on the, on the list in America right now. Do you guys think that's smart or the Netflix is in the right? Uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's great that the creators left instead of just going along with it and trying to, you know, make something, whether it's what they envisioned or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's devastating because I don't want to see Netflix continue and produce something that's subpar. But I'm hoping uh, Netflix will see a massive, you know, following behind them and not Netflix and just put on the brakes, put out whatever offer they need to to get these guys back on the show. Because honestly, if it comes out like an M. Night Shyamalan thing, I'm just going to cancel my Netflix. I want to boycott Netflix because they yeah. botched such a good series. In a so. way to punish them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I mean... Maybe, maybe we should do that preemptively. Everyone cancel the Netflix now. Write a message to Netflix saying, hey, we're canceling because you guys lost these guys. Get them back on the, on, on the team and we'll join up again. But we need a, more of a following than just you and me to do that. I'll support it, but uh, we got three. I'm still not going to cancel my Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> even I, who I'm a big fan it of while I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I got you to finish. Uh, yeah, so unsupportive environment. You know, that's that's something that I think is a divide between like kind of the creative type and the business makers. That we've heard that through time. Um, that they're always having to cut cut budget. You know, make sure that it appeals to the four quadrants. Um, so it makes sense to me that they're having an issue. It's just unfortunate that they have to leave. Um, uh, Mike released an open letter on his website which we have the link to all these. By the way, all the sources, guys, I mentioned this multiple times, but all the sources for everything we write. We write an article for everything we talk about here. Uh, the articles are on our website with all the sources. So if you guys think like, Frank's full of shit, John's talking out of his ass, Cheddar don't know what he's doing, go to the website. We got them all there. It's 100%. Including the link to Mike's letter where he talks about him coming to this realization. He says, I realized I couldn't control the creative direction of the series, but I could control how I respond, so I chose to leave the project. So, again, they just couldn't make any of their own decisions. Um, yeah, we're all worried about the M. Night Shyamalan debacle. And, Cheddar, you hadn't, you've watched, I, I know your brother has, but have you watched Avatar since then or no? No, I have not. Okay. Nah. So your brother is now, he's on board, he's watched them all. And that day, you were in the theater with us, when me and Jonathan in the theater, was just like, yeah, but they changed his name. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> yeah, thing ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, they changed so much of it. It was just, I know. It was just garbage. So disappointing. But they didn't need to change the I think, name. I think if you didn't know anything about it, you may have enjoyed it. But knowing it about it, it was just kind of it. It did ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the way the bending was was just a complete fail. I kind of uh, liked how the they did the fire bending, though. I'll give them that. That that you have to strike it. Yeah. Yeah. That you had that, to have that a was source. The only. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, everything else, yeah, was yeah, disappointing. There's all kinds. Of, we can go. Yeah, that could be a whole separate podcast. Um, all right. So, yeah. So we have this, you know, high hopes on this project. Uh, I'm still excited for it because, again, it's just more Avatar. And if there is a chance, because because Brian says there's a lot of talented people still working on the project. It's just that it won't come out the way they wanted to. So I'm still rooting for it. 
but I'm now I'm going into it with another outlook because I was originally you know hyped and going into this and excited, but now I'm going into it like I think I did with like Shazam or Birds of Prey, where I'm like, this is probably gonna suck, and be pleasantly surprised instead of going in and just be like, do not let me down. Uh, and I, that might actually even help things out too because now we're all going in with lower expectations. I don't know. All right, uh, this is going to be a short one here. We have Olivia Munn is in Final Talks to return for G4. We've been talking about G4 coming back. Uh, hopes are that it'll be a new esports network, but it is at least coming back to talk about video games and whatnot. Uh, sources of the rap uh, say that she's seeking a bigger role both on and off air. She was co-anchor of Attack of the Show, co-host. Um, now it, she may be looking to be a producer or a director of some shows. She, since she left, she actually like became more valuable because she was on a series of movies. Um, Chris, was it Christmas office party or something like that? She's been in a few things. Uh, I know she dated the QB from uh, Green Bay Packers as well. That might raise your resume. I don't know. Uh, Terrible. Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. That is the, you know, Cowboys. Wow. Okay. So this is going to be the last podcast that we ever do. It's a shame, uh, but it's been fun working with you guys. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so she's coming back and I think that's pretty great. Uh, do you think this this the network needed her back, or could they have just gone without her? I mean, how much uh, how much followers is she gonna bring, right? So I think without yeah. somebody bringing back, you, you're gonna have some kind of you gotta attract somebody somehow. So how are they attracting people now? Like the more more they can put in to attract followers, um, just to get them off the ground. I think they need something to get them up off the ground before they can even move forward. That is a very good point because maybe they can grab somebody like not necessarily Ninja, but somebody like Ninja. That has 160,000 views every time he plays a video game. Right. Um, that would be a good idea to grab somebody like him as a host, because then you're talking about bringing real followers in. Olivia Munn brings in a lot, but she's kind of become like more mainstream. Where I mean, go with the source, go with Shroud, go with Ninja, go with somebody like that. Um, Doctor Disrespect. Oh my God, a show with Doctor Disrespect. I know Daniel would be subbed forever. Uh, that would be a good idea. That's a good idea to think of that way. Yeah. John, do you have anybody else you'd want to host a video game talk show? I don't. I honestly, I don't watch very much streamers at all. But I would just say whoever the the most popular streamer they could afford, I'd grab them. But yeah, so Frank. I mean, you need somebody that has a little bit of that that social appeal too that can talk good in the camera. But other than that, yeah, whoever has the the biggest following for their type of games. Uh, yeah, I like that idea. We have all these casters too that do all the esports, and uh, you might as well. By the way, on the esports front. My two favorite uh, Overwatch teams just lost yesterday. That's San Francisco Shock and uh, the London Spitfires. But you guys root them on. On the 16th is Shock, so I know you guys are going to be... On the 22nd is the next Spitfire game. Root them on, guys. Uh, check out Al. Right now we're going into, like, we got playoffs and championship season right now, so it's really fun. Um, it's a good time to be following some Overwatch uh, esports. All right, we have a big one here, guys. The next few, I think, are real big ones here. There's a big shakeup at Warner Brothers, Warner Media. Uh, the new chief, uh, Jason uh, Killar, he came in and he wanted to refocus the company. He's saying that we want to focus on streaming and stuff like that. He's trying to get all the side projects out of there. Uh, unfortunately, that means a lot of people's jobs are in, at risk. Yeah, he's pushing uh, HBO Max. That's why it's been really successful. It has 36.3 million subscribers already, just launched like last month. But that's because they've been putting everything into it. They've been acquiring outside, you know, uh, shows and stuff like that to put on there. They've been shuttering a lot of DC Universe to put on there. So that's why it's really doing, doing really well. We had a rumor that they were going to sell the gaming division. Uh, it actually was backed up, but it sounds like they're actually either backing away from that or it was never going to happen. 
So it sounds like the gaming division staying under Warner Brothers. That's very good. They make a lot of great games. Um, my favorite, of course, is Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, but they also make all the Batman games and the Legos, uh, stuff like that. Really solid games. One of the big things they're doing is they're trying to sell Crunchyroll. Uh, this is where we need a Daniel on the show because he's one of those guys that like has Crunchyroll probably ran running right now as we're talking, um, just playing some random anime that I don't know about. This has a huge anime library and 3 million subscribers. The parent company is trying to uh, move them as part of the restructuring, and the current top bidder is Sony. They already have the competition, this Funimation. So this could create this like new all-encompassing uh, anime service that would have Funimation an animes and the Crunchyroll animes on there. Uh, Warner Brothers is wanting, or Warner Media is wanting 1.5 billion, but Sony's trying to negotiate a far less price. I think this is a good idea to kind of have one sole place that's bringing things over to America. Especially Sony would be really good at it. It's been a bit since I've gotten to an anime, so if I could get one sub and really kind of catch up on things, I might. Uh, what do you guys think about this? And have you guys been into anime recently, or is there it's kind of something that falls on the wayside? Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, I haven't watched any anime in a long time, but honestly, it's mostly because I don't know what to watch because there's not you know much advertising for it or anything like that around here. Yeah. So it's all just kind of word of mouth. But if there was a single streaming service that had you know, high quality subs and dubs, then I think I'd be a lot more likely to try some of them out. Yeah, yeah, same here. I think the last anime I, I really got into was uh, Full Metal Alchemist. So oh, that was so good though. A long time ago, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I haven't gotten into anime in, in quite some time, but I think if it was one central location, it'd be great. Um, but do you think it's a smart move for Warner Brothers to, to do, give it up? Yeah, I don't think it is. For one thing, I, I as soon as this was coming out, I was discussing with somebody else uh, this prospect. And they brought up that the fact that there's a Crunchyroll section in HBO Max, and that that they love that because it's just that part of HBO Max like curates um, anime for them to watch. So it's a really good way for like maybe the mainstream guys like you two and myself uh, to kind of find like, oh hey, look, this is a place where I can go and discover animes instead of just word of mouth or like whatever Daniel tells me to look, watch. Um, that's something that I think we need for the mainstream guys because anime has some of the best complex stories out there. It's fantastic. But there's just such a big variety that you're almost afraid to kind of like, well, do I want to tip my toes in on the 700 episode anime or right. like I'm all right. You know, say like I fell in love with one of them, Wonder uh, Damien Wonderland, and it's only one season. It kills me because it's like I really wish there was more, but there's it's hard for me to research it and stuff like that. So if there was one place that was curating it for me, I think that's a really good option. Uh, I think Sony's a good place for this. Do you think do you guys think Sony could handle this? And is there any other company that, that could do a better job than them? I think Sony would be great at this, and not only that, but they could, I hate to see them really do this, but they could use this as another thing that's only uh, streamable, usable through the PlayStation, so oh, they man. can yeah. lock in more sales right there. So I think that'd be pretty pretty cool. And definitely they have the, the funding and the you know backing to be able to produce a good streaming service out of this. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good idea. It could really be like free with your PlayStation 5, and oh my God, what a selling point. If you're just like... Yeah, but I got a PS5. I'm just going to jam on some animes. It's great. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Cheddar? What what, uh, what yeah, do you think, think of, of another company owning this? I think Sony would do a great job. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. What other companies, Microsoft, what other companies can they actually take it away and has that clientele? Yeah. Um, it's got to be somebody that's that's in that aspect. So I think Sony would be a good bet. I, don't I think, hate to. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's the way to go. Uh, if not them, I was thinking Tencent because Tencent has a little bit of all the video game systems. And so we could kind of see like an integration with like the Epic Game Store or whatever, where there's an anime section or something like that. And 
I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like who can really broaden the appeal to the mainstream. Because uh, I think that's kind of what needs to happen is anime needs to be accepted as like a form of drama for uh, that, that could you know rival and, and beat a lot of American shows. Uh, it's just not experienced by the masses. I need to get into a new good one, though. I've been look, looking at the Seven Deadly Sins. I think that's going to be my next one. Um, if I were to literally just send a text to, to, to Daniel right now, he'll send me 15 episodes or 15 shows that I have to watch. Right. Um, that's for sure. It's hard to get into them now because, like you said, you know, some of them, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, that's, so, yeah. That's like One Piece is something around 700 episodes. And I, I was like, oh, pirate anime. I'm in. But then Dana's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Be careful. That, that, that'll take up a few years of your life. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to see. We're going to keep an eye on this. Uh, we'll continue to cover this. When Daniel comes on too, who um, I'm sure he's subbed to both Crunchyroll. And I know he is to Crunchyroll, but probably Foundation as well. Uh, he'll uh, let us know what's going on with all that. That'd be good. Another part of the Warner Brothers uh, uh, reorganization is a massive amount of layoffs at DC Comics. So DC is their parent company is Warner Media. Uh, they lost people on the high end of the totem pole and the low end of the totem pole. Some of the big guys that left is editor-in-chief Bob Harris. He's huge. Senior VP Hank Hannels. Oh, boy. Um, and then editors Brian Cunningham and Mark Doyle. They're all out of work, and then all the lower employees, too. There's, there's hundreds of them out of there. What really got hit hard was the DC Universe. They had this, like, streaming app they were trying to push uh, that really brought in some good shows. Harley Quinn, Titans, Doom Patrol, very good shows. But now all those shows are moving over to HBO Max. It's a way of supporting their new system and, and getting that going. Uh so that's really good for you guys, but it's hurting DC Universe. And it's, you know, Jeff Johns had the Stargirl. That's moving over to CW with the rest of the Arrowverse next year. Uh, so it sounds like they're probably going to shutter DC Universe or reduce its cost and make it just a place where you can, like, read comic books. That might be feasible. Uh, boy, but that because if that becomes part of HBO Max, though, that's going to make that a very valuable uh, streaming service. It's really unfortunate, but we hear from Variety... Uh, sources for them are saying that the DC brand will actually be expanding through the restructuring. What they're trying to do is make um, make the production of DC products, DC IP, easier instead of going through a smaller faction within WB, actually saying like, hey, here's the Batman project, just make a few movies out of it and just go with it. I'm a little spe- skeptical about that. That's kind of scary. I mean, like, like you're saying, it could be uh, sloppy. We don't want them to just slap stuff together, put it out there because they it has a good name to it and they can make some quick cash on it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we see that in other movies and lower budget and stuff. And DC's already struggling <clears throat> struggling to keep up with Marvel. Marvel's dumping money and has such great content and everybody's loving it. And they're selling tons of merchandise and just raking in the cash. Uh, so DC really has to be smart about how they're they're moving forward with their content. If they're rebranding and trying to go a different route so they're not competing so much toe-to-toe with Marvel, I think that'd be smart. But to try to slap stuff together quick so they have high-volume content, I don't know, I'm, unless they're trying to do all Arrowverse kind of stuff that's quick, made-for-TV, uh, just bulk content for younger generation and stuff. But I think if you're trying to do you know high-budget movies and sell lots of merchandise and things like that, then you need to really you know hunker down and not try to pump stuff out so quick but put more quality into it. Yeah, so you think the smaller smaller publisher was more important than uh, throwing it in a machine like uh, Warner yeah. Brothers? We, how do you think this is going to affect the future of movies, Cheddar? So I think, uh, like like John said, I think it's all about the content. So I think the future of movies is going to kind of depend on how, how much the content goes. 
um, with them, I, I wouldn't want to pump something out like that either because it's just going to, you know, what's going to go further, uh, bad word of mouth or, or your good one. So um, it's going to be all about quality. So I think producing bad movies is going to just kill what they have going on now. Yeah. For myself, I can see some positives coming out of this. So uh, DC Comics, they've been around for a long time and they've focused on, you know, for a long time it was, oh, we just lost Cheddar's video. That's right. Uh, for a long time, we've seen it like whatever sells comics, right? So uh, it was a boys club throughout the 80s and most of the 90s too. We saw like the long hair Superman and stuff like that, real boys club. Uh, with Warner Brothers getting involved, we could see uh, something more focused along the lines of like, well, how can we spread our audience beyond just comic books and and that comic book audience? And so we might see some more characters. And we've seen that recently. So like Stargirl getting her own show. Um, the the uh, Wonder Woman movies being directed by a, a female director. Those steps are something that, that comes from the Warner Brothers side of things. So we actually could see Warner Brothers spread things more. I want to see a Hawkgirl movie so bad. Hawkgirl's amazing. Let's get that going. And this could be a way to actually kind of spread the docket. Uh, Batwing, a really great character that's not touched. But he's basically Iron Man, just in the Bat family. So something like so that. So maybe, maybe Warner Brothers could explore the little nuggets that DC just kind of like throws out here and there, but focuses on Batman and Superman. I don't know. You're thinking this is a way to better broaden their audience too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So because Warner Brothers is, is it's, I'm just trying to think of the optimistic part of this. So because Warner mm -hmm. Brothers is all about trying to bring in as much people as possible and DC for a long time, not necessarily anymore, but for a long time was a boys club. Uh, we could see a, uh, uh, with the widening of the audience, a more inclusive mindset. Think of how like Marvel now is leaning a lot on Miss Marvel. I love Miss Marvel. Uh, she's a really cool character um, with a, a, with an Indian descent. And and so that, that brings in more fans that, that may not have found somebody to identify with. And I think Warner Brothers is going to do a better job with that than DC Comics will because Warner Brothers mm -hmm. is all about how much money can we make. And I'm just trying to think of like the good side of this whole thing. Uh, making more money, well, you need more people for it. That's fingers yeah, crossed. Like that, it might be something you know, like you said, it might be some introduce somebody, see how see how it goes, and if it yeah. blows up, they can actually increase the content from there. That that's a good point. You know, just throw something out there, see if how many people can grab it, and then if it's a flop, then but if it's good, you know, keep going with it. And that's a good point based based on how Marvel has developed over the last ten years or whatever. When you used to think of Marvel, you used to think of Spider Man or Hulk or Iron Man just a handful of staples. Now you think of Marvel and it's thousands of characters. They have, you know, all the X-Men in them and just the, you know, end game shows you this battlefield full of superheroes that they have. So, but when you think of DC, you still think Superman, Wonder Woman and Batman. And that's about it. There's a handful of other ones that are kind of cool, but they're not real staples of their brand. Or the so mainstream is what you mean, right? Opportunity. The mainstream's just seeing the three characters. They're not seeing yeah. even the Green Lantern, which is like one of the highest echelons of their characters has Who's one that? real bad Ryan Reynolds movie and you know, he could be utilized better. How Jordan and John, those two together, they're working on a project to those two together. And there is an HBO max series coming. That's an animated one, but man, those two as a buddy cop system make that. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I think WB, they have the, the fiscal power behind it too. Let's really make that happen. <laughs> so DC's uh, now being ran by Jim Lee. He's the one that's going to be running the expansion of DC. Uh, he's this legendary artist. Squeaks has all kinds of his action figures because they actually have like the Funko Pops Jim Lee edition. Squeaks has a shelf full of those. They're amazing. Um, he's His design has really influenced a lot of the modern uh, 
art style of these DC characters. So uh, seeing him, and he's won countless awards, seeing him behind the helm, I'm pretty confident in him. Uh, but I have said that in the past with other people they've put in charge, and I'm like, yeah, but he makes great comics, so that means he's going to do great. Hasn't necessarily worked, although I still kind of agree with a lot of the stuff they did. Um, we'll see how Jim Lee does. He's he's a pretty amazing guy, though, so that's that's a good sign. All right, we have, this is an interesting one, guys. Halo is delayed, Halo Infinite. We talked in depth about Halo a couple weeks back. Xbox boss Phil Spencer says that he was disappointed and wanted Halo to launch with the Series X, but he knew that the delay was the right thing. So here's a quote from him. In the end, I have to make the right decision. The strength of the Halo franchise, the health and the ability of the team are the things tracking uh, toward the quality of where you want the game. So what this sounds like, uh, two things. First off, he wants the graphics to be better. The internet blew up after the gameplay came out, uh, showing that like, well, the graphics could be better, you know? The internet really had a negative reaction to that. So I think they might be kind of like, well, how can we fix this? I don't know. Do you think the graphics were okay? What would you guys think of the Halo gameplay footage? Jonathan, what would you think? To me, the graphics seem fine. I mean, they're what you expect in a Halo, but if if, it, yeah. if the Series X has higher resolution and all that, and the fan wants it, to, the fans want it to be sharper, mm-hmm. then I think it's wise of them to hold off and, and retool it. Just like that Sonic movie we saw a while back where they stopped and like, okay, you guys don't like Sonic, let's change it. They probably didn't make a ton of money on it, but I'm sure they made a whole lot more than they would have if it came out the way he looked. So yeah, it's I think it's always smart to just stop and listen to the fans, listen to what they're saying, try to change it to tailor made to what they're asking for because they're your audience. I mean, they're they're the customers, so uh, I think it's wise to just try to retool it to them. Yeah, and and they had a bunch of the like big big dogs in, in Xbox come out like right afterwards for the weeks afterwards saying like, oh, but this is because the game is this size and well, it, it'll look better this way and and well, the brutes just kind of look like that. Uh, and, and everybody's like, no, that's not going to be acceptable. You guys need to do something. So that opens up this other problem where, okay, well, the game's coming out in November. So if we wanted to change the graphics at all on this, it's going to be this huge uh, endeavor for our, our staff. We're going to have them working long hours, and they're already kind of slowed down what with the pandemic. So you're going to have this thing, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, this crunch culture where it's like work, 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 12-hour, 13-hour days uh, to make sure this project's done in time. And that's another thing that that Spencer had mentioned. It's like we got to worry about the health of our team. We don't necessarily need them working these long days and then burning them out when we need them on other projects. And it's just not good for the for the actual employees. You can you can create some real problems there. Uh, and so I think on that aspect, this is always good. I'm always kind of rooting for the employees on these because I know that game developers are these unsung heroes that are constantly working. Uh, so I think on that side, it's a good idea too. But what I really want to talk about here is. Is this a good call for Halo in the long run or a bad call? Do you think this is going to improve sales overall or hampen sales on both Halo and Xbox separately? Sque- or uh, Cheddar, let's go with you first. What do you think? How is this going to affect the sales? I, I think it's going to improve sales. Uh, I think the worst thing you can do is just put something out, and then, like you said, with the crunch culture, it's just going to kill your employees. Um, and then if that gets out, right, with social media, you can put that out anywhere and even kill you know, your fan base. Um, but then also, I would rather, as a player, you know, I just want the game to come out. Uh, but if they're going to produce better content and delay the game, it's worth the wait. I think that's going to attract more people with a short-term wait than than just to push it out and have something that's really not going to attract anybody or have some negative feedback. Yeah. Uh, another thing to think about, too, is Halo was about to compete against PS5. 
So you have, you know, in November, because we also found out that Xbox is coming out in November, probably the first week. Uh, so you have Halo competing with PS5 when it's something they put so much time into already as it is before all the changes uh, that they're kind of like, look, we need to make sure that this doesn't have a, par- a hard time. So if it comes out like March to May area, uh, you have time for people to buy their PS5s, then their their bank account recuperate a little bit, and then they go and buy a Series X for the Halo. So we could have this like second wave of new gen purchases coming in, in a few months. I think generally it's a good idea. I think it might be something we see in the future. Maybe they'll constantly kind of push one system off the other to keep them separated. Uh, Jonathan, we, we know so far that neither company is releasing the price for the systems because of uh, they were trying to undercut each other, so they're kind of waiting. Uh, do you think that what What do you think is a good price point to go out and buy an Xbox without a Halo involved? What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> I'm thinking like like three hundred bucks, two ninety nine. Wow, is, so is, cheap, <laughs> right? I mean, like, because I, I don't really need a system. I'd rather play PC games. Right. Uh, so for me, if I was going to go buy one, that's that's what I'm looking for. But at the same time, for a serious console gamer, I wouldn't want them to. Uh, undercut or or compete that way. Don't try to fight over bringing the sales down. Fight on bringing the quality up. Okay. If there's something more you can put into the device, like if you're gonna have to postpone the Halo game and and come out next year in May or June or something like that, then it wouldn't take much to make it a, a Halo skinned uh, Xbox. Just do a different paint scheme or or just graphic stickers that come with it or whatever. So it could be a special edition one with a special controller or something like that. And then you know your fans will pay a little bit more to get that special edition one. Yeah. I mean, that's how I got my 360 or my Xbox One. But uh, but yeah, so I'm, for me to get one, it had to be pretty cheap. But I don't I don't think um, I don't think the price is really going to stop Xbox fans from getting one. If it's a couple, you know, if it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks more than their PlayStation if you've been playing Xbox for the last 10 years, you're not going to switch to PlayStation just because of that price. So so you think that even without the Halo, that shouldn't affect Xbox prices? You think people are still going to... Those who already tend to buy Xboxes will still buy Xboxes even without a Halo? Well, I don't I, I don't think they'll buy them immediately when it first comes out. I, I think they will probably wait for the Halo because unless they have some other big hitting game to come out, you're not going to get... You wouldn't buy an expensive new computer if you don't have anything to do on it yet. True. So they'll... Same thing for the Xbox. They'll probably wait until Halo comes out. Maybe there'll be a sale or something like that or just a re-release when it comes out. But uh, it also is really it's really critical on the timing um, and what competition, what other games are going to be competing with it when it releases. So not releasing it now is, is you know, risky. It is. But it's just as risky as if you were to release it incomplete or, you know, uh, lower quality game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- yeah, and then and then to answer your question, there's there cheddar is there are other games coming out. One of the other staples, but nothing like Halo. Halo was the reason to go buy it, right? Um, if you weren't necessarily an Xbox fan, but we're also looking at Bloodlines. Also got delayed, which is a fan favorite game that was coming out that also got delayed. Um, so there's a lot of first person or first parties. Like this is their very first game coming out of the gate. So those kind of games, we don't necessarily need to rush out and buy buy it for that. Uh, but I really liked the idea that you brought up there, uh, Jonathan, where there might be an Xbox. Halo crossover edition coming up in a few months that might even push it farther. Uh, mm-hmm. Your Xbox One, when you turn it on, does like Halo sounds and everything, right? Yeah. Something like that. I would do all four. Uh, may- make it like 200 more gigabytes hard drive. and I- I'd spend extra money for that. I definitely would. That sounds like a really good idea. What do you 
what do you think if they were to say they'll release Halo, this lower definition and, you know, seemingly incomplete or whatever, uh, for the Xbox One, release that now, and then hold off releasing the Xbox Series X uh, with the Halo sometime next year. So those will both be released together next year, and you could buy a lower def ver version of the game right now for the Series X, or for your uh, Xbox One. That's an interesting idea because they've already mentioned that when you buy a game like Halo, it unlocks it on your account, not on your system. So you can mm -hmm. play Halo on the Xbox One when it comes out. Yeah. But is it willing to do that now? That's interesting because then people might be, oh man, it's a gamble. It's a heck of a gamble. But then you might have people that are like, look, I don't necessarily need the PS5 right now. And I'm playing Halo on my Xbox One that I already own. I'll just wait. That would be yeah. very, I wonder what that would do. Boy. And when you get the Series X and the full, you know, full, the full new version of Halo, maybe have an extra couple chapters on the end of it, a different alternate endings or something like that with the upgraded graphics yeah. and you know, maybe free DLCs or whatever. Something to really perk it up, but to to have your Xbox wait to be released until the game is ready, I think would probably help with sales on both of them. That's a good point, yeah. It would be very frustrating if I found out that there was DLCs right after the launch because then that means that they made those DLCs before the graphics were better. And uh, that would be very frustrating to me. It's like, you guys could have gotten this done. Um, but yeah, in general, I think because it'll create a second wave of Xbox purchases, I think when we look from, you know, a few years from now, looking back at the launch of these two systems, I think this will help them. Uh, and we'll have to track that. We'll have to see when Halo comes out. We'll look at the Xbox sales and see how that's doing. Uh, I really think that's going to be helping them in the future. All right. Uh, let's move on to the, uh, the situation of a blizzard. We did not mention this last week. We wanted to wait to really kind of give it more of a spotlight. Uh, so... Blizzard employees, they're hardworking. Uh, let's, before we go too far, let's go ahead and get it out there. We are Blizzard shills. We love them. Can't wait for BlizzCon. Uh, so it, we have a Blizzard bias, right? That's why we, we talk about them more than, than any other uh, developer there is. Uh, so the Blizzard employees right now are sharing their salaries in protest of their lower than average pay. Uh, they were promised a raise in the salaries back when there was a survey in 2019 showing that like, I think it was 42, but about 50% of the workforce was not happy with their pay. Most Since then, Blizzard did promise to, to increase the, their pay, but uh, none were above 10%. And then according to a Bloomberg report, uh, they said that many of the employees are getting paid minimum wage. So those are the kind of guys that are like, you know, security and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily developers on that end. Um, Blizzard refutes this, this Bloomberg report, which kind of uh, caused a lot of outcry. Um, saying that multiple things were wrong. One of them is that there is no employee at Blizzard that gets paid less than 50% of what minimum wage is. So when you work at Blizzard, you always get paid minimum wage plus 50% more is what they're saying. And Bloomberg saying, no, your employees are saying that's not the case. So we have that. There was a few other things like the amount of people that were unhappy and stuff like that, that apparently Bloomberg said one thing and Blizzard saying that's incorrect. You guys are, are, are misinformed. Uh, so there's all kinds of things like that. Uh, there has also been pressure from Blizzard telling the employees to do not share your pay amongst each other. You're not allowed to do that. Now, back when I worked at Toys R Us, I remember this was a thing. Like, do not tell anybody else how much you get paid for. That's actually against the rules. But according to U.S. labor laws, that is 100% legal. You're allowed to do that. And so that comes into issue. So we have unhappy workforce basically over at Blizzard. Again, one of our favorite companies. And these are the guys that are making the games we love. World of Warcraft, uh, Diablo, Overwatch, all those games like that. So that runs into a problem where we, we found from uh, Bellular, who has good inside sources. But let's before we go into that, let's talk about this, this pay here. Minimum wage for, for the guys that aren't developing the games. 
do you think that's fair for a company like Blizzard? I think we as consumers, you know, we expect the top quality product, right? We expect right. an amazing game and we pay whatever Blizzard wants to charge for it because, you know, you're not going to s- skip out on a patch or something like that. Never. So I, I think it's totally fair to to expect that their employees who are of, of a company making such high quality product, Tesla employees, Tesla employees aren't, aren't getting paid minimum wage. They're not getting paid 13 or $15 an hour. You know, they're 25, 26, 28, whatever. So even the custodians, I'm sure, are making way more than minimum wage. So a company like Blizzard that's not making entry-level indie games, right. I think it's only fair that they pay their employees comparable to the quality of their product. Yeah. And and I like that idea that, look, you guys make this high-quality games that everybody's mm-hmm. crazy to go buy. You're not a struggling company that's trying to just put out their first game. Everybody in the workforce, even even at the entry level stuff should be appreciating the uh, bounty of the efforts. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we're getting this much back. We should all have some, some fun from that. Uh, not, not to get too much personal, but your company, for example, when you guys have profit sharing, when you guys make extra money, you all mm-hmm. make extra money. I think that's a great program. Yeah. And that, that brings up the, the image of the company too. If Blizzard employees could all say, Oh yeah, we all make this much and we all have this kind of healthcare package and we all have this, this, and this, everybody goes home with, you know, swag shirts every couple months. And, you know, once you hit 10 years, you get a company car kind of thing. That just improves the the brand, not alone the, the life of your employees yeah. and the quality of their, their job, their dedication to the company, but it makes your brand look so much better. Of course, you're going to want to go work for Blizzard if you have, you know, all these uh, benefits yeah, and, and they focus. obviously treat their employees well. Yeah. Uh, now, Cheddar, you're, you're familiar with HR. What are your thoughts on, on, uh, employees getting paid minimum wage at a company that's successful? I say fire them all. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man, so, someone's a Pickerton. <laughs> no, I think, I think it, like like John was saying, you got to have those perks, right? So you got to have anything, any kind of benefits, yeah. right, to make people want to stay. But at the same time, you, you got to pay people based off their skill. True, so true. Yeah, I see that. You got you to, I'm paying you for your skill. And if you're, if you're not the top developer, what makes you think somebody as a janitor, not to say they're not important, should make the same amount. Right. I'm not saying that they all make the same amount. I'm saying that because we're not at a company that's hurting, should they be paid more than minimum wage? I think it should be paid more than minimum wage. I mean, I think everybody should be paid more than minimum wage, right? Who can live off that? Um, But you got to take in consideration what what their skill level is. Um, But you got to have those perks, right? So if you're paying me minimum wage, why do I want to stay, right? Of course, I go look for another job, but if there yeah. is those perks or bonuses, then you know it may be a reason to stay or profit sharing. So it, that's a really good way to put it, the perks of staying, why you'd want to stay. And there is a huge perk for staying at Blizzard. Uh, great segue, guys. I'm calling it out for no reason. Okay, so Bellular, who's an excellent reporter on all gaming industry. You guys, check out Bellular. Uh, he does have a tendency to make 10 videos about one topic just because he needs to get the views to pay the rent, but uh, he's a really good source. Um he actually has inside or, uh, sources at Blizzard. So people that, that work there that, of course, anonymously talk to him because he can't reveal them. He can't necessarily say who they are. I, mean, I respect him that because I trust him. I've been following him for a long time. But he's saying some of the biggest names in there, uh, they stay with a lower pay because the perk is you get to work on your favorite game, World of Warcraft or Overwatch, something like that. That's the perk is being able to pour your soul into this product that you in turn play or you just really love the world of Azeroth or you really uh, are inspired by the hope, you know, by the characters in Overwatch and stuff like that. 
is that fair that that is a perk? The idea that you just really love the product you sell. Like say if you're working mm. at Pepsi and like, man, I hate Coke. It's all about Pepsi. I'm a big Pepsi diet, Pepsi kind of guy. So I'm willing to take uh, $20,000 less than the guy at, at the same job in another location. Because that's one of the things is some of these big names that I've, you know, I'm not sure the exact names, but big names are like, look, I can go over to EA and get 20,000 more, but I'm working in Azeroth right now. Jonathan, what do you think about that? Do you think that's enough of a perk to stay at a job? That's hard. <clears throat> that's hard. That's hard to debate because I do. I <laughs> I'm on both sides of that. Yeah, yeah uh, same, man. I so. agree that it is it is a great perk if you really love that game. If you're a guy that loves to sweep and you want to sweep for minimum wage, that's cool. If you love that specific game and you want to work on it and you're willing to do it, you're willing to do it voluntarily for free, and you just want to come in, sit in the desk, you know, have that that gossip time with your coworkers who are also working on other games, whatever. That's that's cool. That's one thing. But at the same time, that employer is getting the same benefit from you at no cost to them that they would get from somebody else. And their their competitors are paying full price for employees. Why why do they get the benefit of having a free or discounted employee? Yeah. Because they're that specific employee's emotional connection to their product. So I do think the brand and having a quality product and wanting to work in that environment, uh, uh, wanting to work on a certain product um, is a perk. And I think the employee should be able to enjoy that. But I still think they need to be compensated in another way. So if you can't increase their pay, but they really like that that game, I would say give them special credit in it. If you really like to you know, build structures in World of Warcraft, okay, we're going to have you build a, you get to build a statue of yourself or, you know, your childhood home or something specific that is their additional form of compensation. Or they get credits, you know, in the credits of the game or a certain share of stock or something like that. Something Stocks that is I can see, addition. yeah. That, it, that's tough because yeah. it's like, so again, I try to relate it to other businesses to kind of help people listening at home, like how to, how to explain, or in their cars, how to explain this. So uh, it reminds me like Budweiser, I think it is, lets you take home a 12-pack a week or something like that. Something like that, yeah. So, so it would be kind of like equivalent to that where it's like, yeah, but you also get 100K of gold a week from World of Warcraft. Yeah. That, that could be sketchy. Huh? You know, it's it's a it's a tough one because does that count? It's not real. It's not like I'm... Because like beer, when you bring it home, it's physical can. But um, yeah. virtual reward. I, I could see it as like a fun perk. Like, oh, you hit your 10-year anniversary. Here's a statue to you. Because they do that a lot when somebody dies. For example... Uh, Wreckful, a very famous streamer for World of Warcraft. He unfortunately passed away recently, but they put in an NPC, a, a rogue, that says some of his lines and stuff like that in the game. Um, and you can go visit him. And, and, hear, and, and there's one for Robin Williams that's a genie that's in the middle of Oldham that you can go talk to and it'll say some of the lines for, that, that he's famous for. Those are like honorary perks I can see, but to, to make that as part of compensation for employment is a little bit tough. It's, um, mm -hmm. I know, it's a real tough one. It's hard to say though. Like, wonder if you work for a grocery store, you get you know Target or whatever, you get ten percent off. Is that yeah. kind of like the same thing, right? Yeah, but is that considered part of your pay, or is that just like a sweet perk that you get to enjoy? I think that's what it really boils down to. Uh, yeah, you get the free meal at McDonald's, but it's not like I'm like adding five bucks to my pay at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure all Blizzard uh, employees probably get a free Blizzard account. You know, play all the Blizzard games you want for free. Yeah, you get the, the the month free on World of Warcraft and stuff like that. That's a good point. I'm sure they do on all that too. Um, 
Yeah. So, so what is compensation? What does, what are the perks? Are they, how much are they actually worth? Uh, and what can be considered actual perk and what is just like, well, it's virtual money. So does it count kind of thing. That's a whole thing to worry about. Uh, so uh, this all comes following after the 2019 fallout. So uh, in 2019, Activision Blizzard, which is the, the joint company. So Blizzard is the small developer underneath the big publisher, Activision Blizzard. Uh, they came under scrutiny after massive layoffs from Activision Blizzard as a whole. Followed by, that was in February, followed by uh, Bobby Kotick, which is the guy that, I, don't, I have all kinds of words for him. He's the CEO in charge of the company. He took a $30 million bonus after laying off a ton of employees. Even shareholders, it was a 40% vote. Shareholders were like, he needs to not get any pay. And uh, it was only a 40% vote, so he still got it. But um, it's pretty bad when your investors are saying, no, the CEO needs to not get any money. That's showing how kind of one-sided he is. So this is kind of boiling over from that too. That I think that we kind of have a problem where Activision Blizzard as a whole might be greedier than Blizzard themselves, and that could be trickling down. We do know that in 2019, they had a 17% loss. Not a loss, but 17% less income coming in. But this year, after uh, World of Warcraft Classic and people stuck at home because of the pandemic, uh, they made uh, 1.4 uh, billion last year, 1.93 billion this year. So there is an increase. They actually have more money in the till now. Uh, they could be working uh, uh, with their employees with this. World of Warcraft, which is one of their probably the most well, it is. It is the biggest project they have, uh, ongoing project. It's one of the three temples for Activision Blizzard, alongside Call of Duty and Candy Crush. Those three are the three temples and lift the entire company up. And you have employees that are working on that game, getting paid less because they just really like working on Orgrimmar, you know, stuff. So it's kind of tough to say that, you know, is this fair? I I don't think Bobby should have taken any money when you're laying off employees. That's my personal belief. Is it part of his package to get paid extra? Is it part of his package? Like, hey, I get a bonus every year. I I don't know. I mean, this is that's old news, but it's still kind of affecting what we're dealing with now. What do you guys think? Do you think it's fair for a CEO to take a bonus when you're, you're laying people off? Cheddar, what do you think, man? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. it's right to, to the people. It's it's hard to say, you know, we can't afford you. We don't need you anymore. But by the way, let me go cash this check. Um, you know, I, I get you need to get paid too, which fully agree, fully support. But how do you fire somebody and go cash a check and, and be okay with that? I know. Yeah, and, and it's a bonus too. It's not even his actual pay. It's just extra money that went his way. The, and, and that's going, getting, you know. If they're getting underpaid, won't they take that money to distribute that uh, to their employees? Like, hey, here's a bonus for you know all your support and, instead of cashing, putting it in his own pocket. Yeah, it's not like Bobby, who it's not like he's sitting at a computer writing the code for the game right now. That's making them the money. He's just sitting there. You know, he's he's got a job. I don't. It, it's hard because there's a part of me that I know Bobby from other things and, and like his whole history, and I just he really drives me nuts sometimes. So I'm trying to set that aside to in my uh, interpretation of this. Um, but yeah, so it's not like he's making the actual games that we all love. So it's hard to root for him sometimes. Uh, Jonathan, what are your thoughts on, on the CEO taking that kind of money? I think that's ridiculous. I mean, it, that that should never happen. If your company is healthy and you're doing a good job as a CEO, now they might be saying, oh, he cut all this. He saved us a ton of money by weaving out the fat. We didn't need these employees. The previous CEO or over the years, we've accumulated too many. They're underutilized. We need to get rid of, you know, 20% of our staff. And now at this 80%, we're actually running efficiently. So he did a good job by cutting those out. That is all in the finer details, though. Did he just lay off a bunch of people that the company needed? And by getting below that price point and 
below that yeah. that labor cost. Now he gets you know twenty percent of the savings or something like that. I, that's that's in the finer details, but I it visually the optics look terrible. Exactly. So it looks like he's just cutting a bunch of staff and taking their checks and putting them in his own account. Yeah, that that's a good point. The, it's all about the optics because that's true. There is a lot of things like that where uh, the amount you save, you get a percent of of that. That's pretty commonplace in a lot of places. Uh, anything with loss prevention. And so it could be similar to that, but the optics always look bad. And at a certain point, you just got to, you know, let me not take the $30 million right now, uh, especially when I got employees that are complaining. And, and this is during the Bloomberg report that, that came out. It was real rough. Uh, so we have all of that. Uh, there currently is, and I've, I've looked this up a few times. I'm trying to, this seems so crazy to me. There are currently zero video game unions in the United States. So with this collective, uh, Thing that the employees are doing they're, they're sitting there pulling all their salaries and comparing them and realizing that they're getting underpaid uh to anybody else in the gaming industry at the same positions they uh are on the cusp of, of trying to 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 create a union right they want to kind of try to create a union here uh at blizzard now my argument is blizzard if you do this you'd actually be the first company to to, to create a union you'd create these new standards uh it, it reminds me of blizzard of old like doing the right thing if they were to do this uh i think a union is the right way here uh i know that there's different spectrums on whether you guys think unions are good or bad, but I think especially here it would be really needed. Uh, Jonathan, do you think they should unionize over at Blizzard? I, I think that's a great idea. I always think a union properly managed is a great idea yeah. because all it does is give the employees a voice and ensures that the employer can't take advantage of them so much. A union can be you know, overused right, and, right. and be a detriment to the employees at some points. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. In fact, I think for Blizzard being such a big company, for them to take the step to form a union and have a little bit of say in it and be the image of it, I think that's a good idea for them as such a big company too. And to fold in you know, other companies that want to be protected under it. It could be a separate division that they manage and, and everything, but that's I think that's a good idea for such a big company to be the leaders of something like this. That is a hell of a good idea right there. Cheddar, we're going to get your response on that. The idea that if Blizzard were to take the lead on this, and okay, a union would actually have a better way of shaping what a union is in the video game industry instead of waiting for it to come in on them and they can't, they're getting strikes. That's an interesting idea. Cheddar, what do you think about that? Uh, again, you're familiar with the HR thing. Uh, do you think they can get ahead of this and actually control what the union would look like for them? I think so. I think, like I said, give the, give the employees a voice. I think that's the biggest thing that's not being heard right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the reason why they're speaking out already. So why not give them the ability to do that? Uh, my question is, how is a union going to hurt the company, though? Is it going to play any negative points to the company? Um, that's one thing to look at before they, I guess, move forward. But as an employee, I think that's going to save them in any kind of situations like this. Yeah. Yeah. Th you know, there are, of course, the horror stories of, of unions being mobbed up. That's always the kind of thing is like, oh, they're mobbed up and then they're using... Uh, the unions uh, outside of the actual interest of the employees. So there is always that to be concerned of, concerned with. Um, there is a group, if you guys want to help support Video Game Workers United, or Video Game Workers, there is a group called Video Game Workers United. It's an organization, international, that, uh, that helps employees that are not a part of the union uh, kind of organize and uh, kind of put pressure on companies that, that need fair treatment and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of what they do, if you're not an actual video game worker, is share information. They actually even have uh, meetings you can attend. You can see if you have a local branch near you, attend a meeting, see how you can help um, and, and really put your support behind the actual guys making the games you like to play. So uh, you guys check out GameWorkersUnited.com. Uh, I actually 
just signed up for the uh, to see if we could be if I could be submitted as a video game journalist because it's you know kind of what we do and see if uh, see what I could do. They have the local chapters here in San Francisco. I have to go to a couple meetings and report back on what that's like, uh, and and see if we can't help you know the guys that are working really hard for for the things I used to waste my time with. Uh, I think that's a good idea. All right, that was that was. I wanted to really make sure to dive in on that one. We did a good job. Uh, we have one more real big thing here. This has been kind of crazy. Uh, Apple versus Epic. Now it's actually Apple and Google versus Epic uh, Games. So uh, we're going to go into the story about this. But before we go into this, this is Fortnite. And Squeaks isn't on the show, so we got to know, are you guys familiar with Fortnite? Chet, are you playing Fortnite over there in Texas? Uh, am I familiar with it? Yes. Am I playing it now? No, we got to get you on Fortnite, man. Chet, or, uh, Squeaks is all over it. He's like he's a 12-year-old. He's... Uh, <laughs> He's streaming it all. Or he's Why not, not playing, playing it. it. Yeah, right. Uh, and Jonathan, you haven't played Fortnite, right? Nah, not at all. Okay. I have played it. I am awful at it, but I am, you know, I have played it. Uh, I actually really like watching the esports of it just because of how fast people are and how wacky it gets towards the end. It's a lot of fun to watch. So I, I am a, a moderate Fortnite fan. So I want to go ahead and go into that with bias. Now, here's the other bias we have to address. I'm an Apple. I have an iPhone, use, uh, iPhone and iPad. I use a lot of Apple products. My PC is not Apple, but everything else around me is Apple. I have an iWatch and all that. Uh, what kind of phones do you guys use? Jonathan, what do you got over there? iPhone. You're an iPhone man? iPhones, yeah. All iOS stuff. iOS everything. Okay. Oh, man. I'm Android. You're Android. Okay, so Google's part of this. So those are kind of the major two companies. And now we need to know, is there another option out there? I know Microsoft makes a phone. They actually have a new phone on the docket coming up soon, but it uses the Android system. And in the United States, can you guys think of another operating system on phones? I really have a hard time thinking of one. Maybe if you get a Motorola. <laughs> not really. I mean, yeah. No. Yeah, not really. I mean, I don't, the phone I have is a OneNote, but it's powered by Android. Right. Yeah. Which is Google. I think even all the, the, the cheaper no-name brands are still using the Android system, I believe. I think, or most of them, at least. I think you're right. Uh, so I keep you going back Android and forth G? on this. Yeah, I keep going back and forth on this, but it kind of boils down to the fact that, like, can I think of another video game company, or not video game, uh, uh, phone po- uh, uh, operating system? And it's really hard to do that. So, uh, okay, let's go ahead and get into this now. Uh, Apple and Google, they both take a 30% cut from all sales through their app store. Uh, that includes in-game apps. So say you're on Candy Crush and you really need to get the extra, you know, whatever, hearts to go more levels. 30% of that's going to Apple. Uh, on the 13th, Epic Games, which runs Fortnite, uh, decided to put in in-game app purchases that were not part of Apple. So it literally said, uh, we have a screenshot on the website, guys, of what it would look like. But on the top, it says, Apple pay $9.99 for 1,000 V-Bucks. V-Bucks are the in-game currency for Fortnite. Uh, or you can do the Epic discount payment, which is what they called it, uh, for $7.99. And they're claiming that, oh, that's without the 30%, you know, so that you guys can, the, the customers are getting the fair amount without having to pay Apple extra. Okay, sure. Uh, now, the PC hasn't been that way, but sure, whatever, guys. Now, uh, when they did that, that's a violation of their agreement with both Apple and Google because Google has that in their thing that you have to do everything at 30% cut. Apple quickly removed Fortnite from the App Store. Google followed a few hours later on. Epic uh, then went after them with lawsuits. So uh, Apple last week, I want to say it was, Tim, Tim Cook, the guy that runs Apple now, uh, he was in he was in Congress trying to to defend Apple in an antitrust lawsuit. Uh, there is some questions of whether or not they have a monopoly, uh, especially on the Apple App Store. They have such a tight grip on that thing. So then Epic's lawsuit is saying you guys have a monopoly. 
And uh, not only that, but we're defending thousands of apps that are having to play under your rules. So they're kind of taking up the mantle on this. Do you guys think they have a monopoly? That's that's the question here. This is what it's really boiling down to. Jonathan, what do you think, man? You're already shaking your head. Well, yeah, just like you're saying, who else makes an operating system? There's the two big giants and you have no option. I mean, especially like if you've had uh, Apple products before, you kind of just go with it because that's what you know and you don't want to have to learn a whole new kind of technology. It's made to be user-friendly and they make a pretty good product, but they have their stuff locked down. And some people know how to like jailbreak a phone and you can do different stuff with it or whatever. But the way the system is made to be used, there's a lot of limitations and they want you to do everything within their confines so they can set, you know, charge you for all the additional features and stuff that you want. Or if you want an app, you know, they control what apps you can, can't download or different programs. Uh, so, and I'm sure Google has a lot of the same limitations probably, but uh, yeah, I think between the two of them, if they're not competing for our business with, uh, you know, trying to keep the customers happy and they're both just sitting back and, and just pumping out products and making a ton of money because they, you know, keep a, a boundary line between them kind of thing, uh, then we're the only ones that lose. What we need is additional developers to come in and compete in the same playing field so there's competition and, uh, you know, benefits the consumers. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I think you put it the right way is, is we actually, I think what would be even better is Epic were to take this money and create their own operating system for phones. They, <clears throat> That'd be awesome. They're Epic Games. They have the Unreal Engine, which also throws a whole thing in this where a lot of Apple apps use Unreal Engine. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, that complicates things. You guys are suing us, but yeah, we use that Unreal Engine for a lot of stuff. Uh, that, that throws into a problem there. Uh, okay, so the lawsuit's going in, and then we have Epic also throwing you know <laughs> stones with this ad they put out. They put out, a, 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 it's a replica of Apple's famous Super Bowl ad, 1984 Super Bowl ad, that shows, like the original shows, a woman running into a room full of people being brainwashed by a big screen with a dude with glasses. She throws a big hammer, shatters the screen, and like, we're changing the world was the idea. That was the idea that Apple's thing back then is like, we're revolutionizing uh, computers and it won't be the same anymore. It was not IBM's anymore. Uh, and, and that was the case. The Macintosh took over the world for a bit there after that ad. Fortnite went ahead and did the same thing. Now with their characters going in and shattering a screen that has this big Apple talking, you guys watched the ad uh, and, and and mimicking it. What do you guys think about this ad? It was it was very well produced and everything like that. Cheddar, what was your first impressions when you saw Epic had made this ad and put it out there? I think it was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I think yeah. it was funny. That they, yeah, I thought it was funny that they kind of low jabbed Apple there. Yeah. Um, Apple has the leverage. But I, I do think it was pretty funny how that it came out. Uh, but at the same time, if, if you don't like the way Apple does it, then don't don't go through Apple. So I, I like it. I think, uh, I mean, it, it looked really good. It was, it was clean and polished, especially for an attack ad. That was kind of surprising. But um, I think it's a good stance for them. They know they know who their audience is, who their consumers are. They, they know that, you know, the gamers are going to relate with this. But it's showing their customers that they're not backing down. They put money. They didn't just go out with a cell phone and make a little quick, you know, snip. They put some funding, some money, and some time and attention into an attack saying, our feet are planted. We're not backing down right now. This is a fight that we're going to fight, and we would hope that our consumers are going to follow. Okay. We're on opposite sides on this one, I think is what it is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, okay, let's generally get an idea here. Who do you think's in the right? Do you think Apple versus Epic, who do you think's in the right? I think there's multiple problems that they're fighting over, so... First off, I think Apple's right when they say you can't 
sell uh, your product through our system at a cheaper price or if we have a contract and you're voiding the contract, then we're going to take you off. That's that's outright correct. But I think Epic has a good perspective in the fact that, hey, you guys forced me to do this because you tie our hands with everything we do and we just want to sell our product to our customers. So because you monopolize the industry, we have no other way to do it. But I like your idea of them developing their own phones and, and operating systems. Make it a, a gamer phone. Would be yeah, cool. Put it on the Razer. The Razer's got a great phone. I'm sure they would be happy to have Epic as the new iOS. Yeah. Uh, no, this reminds me of the AMC and Trolls kind of battle. Yeah, yeah, with the Universal and uh, Universal versus AMC. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's similar to that because you have two big dogs that really control their industries and uh, what what can be done. You know, uh, so which which side are you kind of siding with here, Cheddar? Ah, man. So I guess it depends on what we're looking at. But uh, I'm kind of going to side with Apple, right? Yeah. If you want to run through Apple, you you do it their way or, or go somewhere else. Right? Yeah, or hit the highway. Uh, yeah. But I think there needs to be find a, they need to find a middle, but at the same time, you know, yeah. like it or, or walk away. I agree with you on that. I, I'm actually, when this first was going down, I was on Apple's side because it, it's the rules are clear. It's 30%. You want a part of it, you want a part of it. You don't want to be on the phones? Don't be on the phones. That's the, the rules. Uh, there is a question of monopoly there. And I do actually think the more and more I ponder the situation, there is a monopoly there and there there should be something done with that. I'm not necessarily sure what. Maybe this is what an antitrust laws did back in the day, what they probably should be doing now. We saw this what happened with Microsoft um, and NBC, for example. NBC used to be the station for the for the whole country. Then we had ABC and stuff like that after an antitrust law kicked in. Um Maybe the app store for both Google and Apple is run by a whole other company and not actually by Apple. That would probably be the resolution to this. Uh, but, okay, so here's the thing. I, I, I'm rooting for Apple on this thing just because Epic, I think, came out looking like douches. So here's the thing. It's like when you like make it a meme. You're supposed to make a meme because something strikes you. You're like, oh, that's funny when I saw Daenerys Targaryen do this one thing. And I'll be like, when you wake up late on a Monday and it's something about Daenerys and then you put a meme out. It's funny. It's instantaneous. But this reminds me of those kind of people that are like, hold on. I really got to think of a meme. Okay. Let me think of a funny image. Okay. Hold on. Now I got to think of something like you're overthinking it. That's not how the internet works. So when mm-hmm. Epic produces this very high quality ad, it's like, you guys are douchebags. If you could thought about this this whole time, I, I'm kind of getting that vibe. And then the fact that they lowered the price, they, they did this. Then they're coming out and saying like, well, this is because they're overcharging us. Uh, and if we do ever get the thing to change to where it's normally this price, we're always going to have it that price because we're going to pass the savings on to the customer. I mean, it kind of feels like you guys are just trying to milk this PR machine. And so they kind of baited them by lowering the price first, not approaching them or voicing their opinion first. No, they waited until Epic or until Apple had to force their own policy and kick them off. And then they're like, well, that's unfair. Like, no, you guys broke the agreement first. And then you guys had this already prepared ad that came out because you knew that they were going to enforce their own rules. Are they really doing it for the customer or is it more more money in their pocket? Very good point. Epic is not necessarily, you know, so Fortnite's made them a fortune, right? And and don't get me wrong, every Thursday I'm getting the free Epic game that they hand out. But uh, they, they're a company. They're owned by Tencent, a notoriously greedy company. And so you have to worry about that too. Yeah, it's not like they're really... <laughs> That's that's another thing too. So I mean, not to kind of keep harping on them, but the 1984 ad, even when it was used by Apple, was brought into question because it's this idea of like, uh, um, 
you know, fascism and stuff like that, like this oppressive uh, uh, situation. We'll go with situation on this. And and then the, the, some corporation's going to come in and break you guys free of, of this. It's like, you're a billion-dollar corporation. You're not breaking us free of anything. You're just putting us in a new one. And it, there's that, too. There's kind of this thing where it's like, oh, thank God that this billion-dollar company is going to come and save us. There's also that. I don't know. It's It kind of brings up into, into doubt. Well, I don't think they look like... I don't think they're trying to say they're going to save us as a consumer. Very, well, I mean, it'll benefit us, I think. But I think they're going to be saving the developers, especially all the indie developers that are making these small apps. Yeah. And they want to get them in the app store, but you know they're probably making pennies on the dollar because they got to pay Apple for the privilege. So I think it's... they're. They're breaking that hold that you know Google and Apple have over their stores and that connection to the consumers because they've developed the technology with the phones and that's great and they're making a ton of money on it. But if they're the only ones that have it, you have to go. Every, everybody has a phone. Everybody's got one in their pocket and that's their way to connect to the internet now. So if they're the only ones that have it and they have full control over it, that's you know that's a monopoly like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing Epic could do. I agree that they shouldn't have. It shouldn't have. Uh, try to cheat and then throw a sucker punch when they get caught cheating. That's That was childish. But I think what they should do is rally other other developers, other game developers, uh, to do like a, a boycott or whatever against Apple and really try to hit them hard. Like show them, show them the proper, through the proper channels that we will pull our products off your system and you're gonna yeah. struggle. Your, your customers are gonna struggle. You're gonna see the demand and then we're gonna have to sit down and negotiate more flexible terms with your software. I, if, yeah. if they go through the proper channels, but they would need a lot of support from other developers to really have an impact on that. That You nailed it right there, John. That's exactly right. That's the way they should have done it. Get a few, like Spotify, for example. Okay, so Spotify came out for support with them. And that kind of that kind of almost hurt Epic because Spotify, they, they used to be able to offer their uh, premium subscription through Apple, but Apple was taking 30%. So then they decided, no, if you want the premium subscription, you have to sign up on our website, then you'll access it on the app. Uh, so they don't lose that 30%. But Spotify has such a terrible track record with paying artists. They pay them pennies on the dollar, uh, and and it's far less than what they're actually getting paid if they were to sell the record, right? So that kind of helped that kind of hurt Epic a little bit when they came out to support them. But if they were to grab companies like Spotify and you know these other big companies that have in Hulu and Netflix and stuff like that, that that would rather have their purchases done through the app store, it makes things far easier for the consumer and just straight up pull them from these phones and say, we're not coming back unless you guys negotiate a new way of doing things. That's a good idea. Do you think that would have worked, Cheddar? Do you think that maybe they should have collectivized first and then reapproached the situation? I think so. I think there's some negotiating middle ground before they just kind of throw the product out there and say, well, here, buy this price and kind of avoid the contract, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Come together, right? So what I'd like to know is what was done before that before they threw out a yeah. you know a price, was there anything done before that, and Apple just refused, or or was it just their, their first attempt to get anything moving? That's, that's, that's true. true. We're hearing it when it's getting loud, when the, when you know the arguing is getting visible. But maybe they've already had negotiations in the past that nobody was able to see. That's true. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're just seeing now. We're not seeing what could have led that, up to this. That may right. That might change my viewpoint on signing with Apple if, if there's something was done prior. So yeah, I mean. Yeah. More to come, right? Yeah. Last week we talked about too. It kind of this kind of came also at a hard time because the X Cloud Project X Cloud just got denied by Apple because they couldn't do their own reviews, and and that's one of the things that Apple's arguing is like that thirty percent pays for us maintaining the Apple's App Store. They're saying that the App Store runs more efficiently, more efficient than any other thing. It's super encrypted because everybody's payment, you know, is submitted through there. So 
to run it costs money and they need that 30%. Now, 30% of Fortnite's money is a, just a ton of money. So it, it's kind of tough because it's not like it's 30% from some small developer that's selling just, you know, a couple extra hearts or something like that. No, this is Fortnite cash. This is a multi hundred million dollar thing coming in your way. Uh, so here's my solution to this whole thing is exactly what Steam did. So Epic already tried this shit with Steam before. And I think I sided with Steam when we had this argument before. We talked about it about a year ago, if not more, where um, they were also doing, I think it was a 30% cut for Epic and Steam as well. And Epic said, no, it's going to be 12 for us. And then Steam, to try to compete, decided, okay, it's 30% still. But after you sell X amount of copies of a game, we move it down to 25%. And then X amount after that, we move it down to 20%. I think that would work well with the phones as well. If you were to make it like, hey, Apple, look, after you guys sell uh, you know, a million dollars worth of product, we take it down from 30% to 27%. And then just kind of keep sliding that scale down to a, a bare minimum of like 20 or 15%. I think that's a lot more feasible and it, and it, it rewards those companies that become more successful on your platform. I don't know. It's really tough because, shit, you know what it is? It's a monopoly. They don't have to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Go find another company that's going to do that then. That's ah, a tough one. I don't know. I'm a big... I'm so a if Epic was to make... If Epic made their own operating system and they had their own store on there, what would you want to see different in it? Uh, the the free game every Thursday I want to be on my phone. That'd be really good. It should have a built-in streaming service like we're seeing with like Microsoft and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. If they were to embrace that, if they were to make a gamer-friendly phone, I'm 100% on board. The only problem is the one of the big reasons I stick with Apple for all my peripherals is because Apple's encryption is beyond so many other people. They have a security team that's constantly on it. And I don't trust Epic with security situations because of the parent company. So there's that, you know. Man, that's a good idea. Is there anything you guys would want to see from Epic's own phone that make you switch over to them? What do you think? I'm wondering if the store, like how we're talking, you know, the main problem is their store. Um, instead of you know charging 30% of whatever the game the app sells for, then that goes to the developers. I wonder what it would look like if it would even be possible, realistic, to have all the apps on the in the store are free, but you have to pay. You know, like your your subscription to Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. You pay a little bit per month to have mm-hmm. their store at full access to their store, and then you get you know whatever apps, any Candy Crush or Fortnite or whatever comes up, you can play all those for free. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That way you kind of have a it's a perk like we were talking about before that would come with it. It's yeah. a good idea. I don't know. There's I think everything we talked about today was not black and white. I kind of liked that about this this episode we did this week, guys, where it's kind of we're not we're not sure what we're thinking right now. We're kind of still on the fence. Uh, so if you guys want to head over to Twitter, Instagram, everything else, let us know what you guys think. Uh, give us your opinion on the situation, which way we can go. Discord, by the way, the Discord link is in the podcast. You guys are welcome on there to chit chat. We have like five moderators, so if you uh, go off the hinge, they'll probably kick you. But you're welcome to come over and voice your opinion. We definitely have lively debates over there sometimes, and it's a lot of fun to kind of get some ideas. And we definitely have some people that are pretty vocal on both sides of a lot of things, uh, um, video game related and, and, and TV show and stuff like that related. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those things we're going to carry this conversation on uh, through Discord and stuff like that. Come join us. Uh, okay, that's it for our show, guys. But we want to go uh, leave you guys off with four new reviews we have. We really appreciate the reviews we get, guys, and, and uh, they just mean so much to us. You guys want to drop one of those five stars? We'll gladly read it on the next episode uh, when possible. So let's go ahead and get into these. Uh, this one is from Billum34002. It must have been a lot of Billums for him to be that one, but okay. 
Uh, so fun show, must check it out. Uh, your one stop for all things geek, uh, consistently on point and fun to listen to. Can't wreck this one enough. We appreciate that so much, Billum. I'm pretty sure that's, uh, I'm constantly on point myself, so I think that's about me. I think that's a real good compliment. I appreciate it. Next one from East Coast Avengers. Actually, these are friends of ours. Uh, they have a podcast. Uh, feel free to check them out. What a podcast. There, <clears throat> There's not enough great things to say about this podcast. Funny, informative, knowledgeable, and just amazing. All caps on the amazing. Uh, keep it up, guys. Praise hand, praise hands. Thank you guys so much. Uh, next, we have Well-Rounded Nerd Greatness. This is from Permagamer. He says, with so many different topics and genres of discussion, Geek Freaks is a fantastic source for nerd news. From gaming and comics to toys and industry news, this podcast has a bit of everything. I had a blast learning about the game console drama and the NES Lego. Great work. Subscribed. I yo, I too am excited for this the Lego NES we talked about. Really appreciate that, Permagamer. I really do. Uh, last one from Podcaster204. Uh, genuinely great. I love this honest and hilarious approach to all things geek. The show feels natural, and the hosts invite you to, uh, to each episode so that you feel like you're part of the discussion. Definitely recommend. And we definitely recommend that. You are a part of the conversation. Hit us up on all the social medias. Let us know what you guys think about what we talked about. Uh, we are definitely wrong sometimes, uh, especially if it's like not me. Definitely wrong sometimes. So just let us know what you guys think. We really appreciate that. Uh, before we head out, guys, what are you going to be playing this week? Let's go with a future version. Jonathan, what are you what are you, what are you looking to play this week? You got any ideas? <clears throat> I'm I'm still unsatisfactory. I'm, yeah, I'm working on getting nuclear power, so yeah. I didn't finish that up. But you're real close to the end if uh, you're on nuke powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have anything slated to come up after this, though. Yeah. Uh, we were playing a little CTs. We're going to be doing CTs on the next community night again, guys. Uh, Fly Pirate's yeah. big on that, and he's part of the community, and he's like... I gotta get back on CTs. I love when uh, when I love when you can hook a new friend. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you gotta check out this game. They're into it. Uh, it's really good. And we've been playing a lot of Fall Guys too. Kids are just Fall Guys enough. Um, Cheddar, you gonna you gonna take a break from being a dad and play some video games? What's the deal? Oh man, I need some recommendations. Oh, we'll send you right, some recommendations. Play some CTs with us, you guys. Yeah, you don't see CTs. I gotta try it out. You haven't tried it at all. No, not not at all. I've seen you guys oh, play it, man. but I haven't tried it, so I'm going to jump in that. Okay, so if we can get Cheddar to play Sea of Thieves, by the way, get the Game Pass subscription. It's $1 for three months, and you can play Sea of Thieves all you want. Uh, then they will stream that. We'll stream Cheddar's very first time playing Sea of Thieves. That sounds like a really good idea. It seems like oh, a lot of fun. Man. All right, guys, that's going to be it for us this week. We will uh, check you guys next week. Check out our social medias for the Emmys round one, or I'm sorry, round three and four. The votes will be coming out starting with this episode. It's going to be round three. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.